Welcome to Love Your Family Again and Again and Again and Again, the podcast where we focus on parenting with love and clarity. I'm Dr. Marcy, a family culture expert who for over 20 years has been helping parents to create happy and strong families. Final season episode with a wonderful human that I have had the delight of knowing long before the recording of this episode. So Michael, thank you for coming. Sure. Thank you for sharing all of your fatheringness with us. Um, I'm really excited for the conversation that is going to come. So first and foremost, tell us who is in your family, the amazing people that make it up. Sure. Um, so there's my wife, Nora, um, and my uh, oldest, uh, Juniper, who is six, and my youngest, Diana, who is three. Wow, she's three already. Yes. My goodness. <laughs> so fast, My right? Goodness. Yes. <laughs> it probably feels faster to you than me, but um, I can remember when you told me that she was going to be coming. Yes. So, and how does it feel to be in a house all of girls? It's it's pretty wild. Uh, you know, there's a lot of emotion, uh, especially like this this time of year. They're all, you know, they're in school and they're just like, there's lots of things going on. Yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. Um, and I've never, um, like, I've never been in that kind of environment it, unless I go all the way back to when I was in dance class and I was the only boy in dance class, right? Like, that's like the only, <laughs> that's like the closest. I was preparing you. <laughs> exactly. Sort of being like the, okay, I'm surrounded kind of dynamic. So are there a lot of dance parties? Oh my God. Do you bring out your dance skills for the girls? So many dance parties. So many dance parties. We do lots of dance parties at the end of the day. Yeah, we have a lot of uh, a lot of physical activity. Both of bo both of the girls just really love just like moving uh, in different ways. So yes. All right. So you know, I'm going to ask, I want to hear all about the ways that they love to move. Yes. Yes. Like, what does that look like? Because, yeah. you know, I can picture the dance parties. I want to know what other physical activity is happening. Yeah. So uh, Diana is very, very jumpy. So she loves to like, just like jump off of things and kind of like roll around and, and, you know, she's just always up in something. And Junie is, I guess the best way I can describe it is like flailing. <laughs> it's like Junie just loves to like throw her body around and just kind of be like, wow, what can I, you know, what can I bang into, uh, you know, today? <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, because the combination of those two particular physicalities in one home, I'm really hoping there are not a lot of collidings with the, what can I bang into with? What can I jump off of? Yes. But I'm sure it happens. <laughs> Except every once in a while, you know, there is a little, you know, there, there is a little crash. And, you know, it's always a question of, is it going to be funny or is it going to be like the end of the world? Right. So like there's been plenty of instances where all of a sudden like, you know, one bangs into the other and it's the funniest thing. And they're like rolling around on the floor laughing. And then there's also I need an ice pack. This is miserable. Help me kind of thing. So you just kind of never know what you're uh, what you're getting into. <laughs> I feel like that could be a motto of parenting. You never know what you're going to get into True. each and every day. Yes, indeed. <laughs> it's just it's part of the journey. So what, as a family, do you really enjoy doing together? Uh, well, the girls have been um, doing a uh, swim class every Sunday 
that's a very fun thing because we walk there. Um, so it's a good like 30, 45 minute walk to the place where the pool is. And, you know, then it's like they go and they sort of have their swim class and we hang out and see them. And uh, sometimes we go out for lunch afterwards or you know, do something else. Sundays, that aspect of the swim class is a lot of fun. And, and Junie um, started swim very, very early. Uh, and then Diana sort of just kind of followed suit. Basically, Diana's been doing it for as long as she's been around. And uh, Junie's been doing it since she was a baby. Amazing. And I love that you take a class, like a teaching experience and make it into a family event yes that you know you you it's not just the class you walk there my guess is you walk home yeah maybe you go to lunch but it's a kind of fills up a giant chunk of your day as opposed to get to class do the thing get home on to the next like it's yeah you made it at an event as opposed to a requirement yes awesome um so that sounds lots of fun i am guessing there are moments that are not as fun and smooth <laughs> really with... what i mean <laughs> Rumor has it that's what we talk about on this podcast and that, yeah, and that not every parenting moment is wonderful and wrapped in a bow. Yes. Uh, So what were you thinking about that we could chat that maybe is not only happening in your house, but happening in the listeners' houses as well? Sure. I was introduced to um, the idea probably a number of years back of the concept of, I think it was called reparenting where basically it's like you were parented in one way and you just sort of find that you're kind of doing exactly what your what your parents did with you then you kind of have to like start to look at this like knee jerk reaction that you have and then be like okay how do i how do i not do that or how do i sort of shift you know that and i um my father would when i was growing up was always the was always the stern like disciplinarian so he was always the like i'm gonna like lay down the law if i don't want you to do something and it is really really interesting sort of for me as i've kind of you know started to kind of get adjusted to this to notice like there are those patterns where rather than listening i'll just be like stop that right? <laughs> or be like that needs to be done or like i don't want to listen to this right now and i'll hear you know that that level of sternness and have a moment where i'll i'll sort of like step back and be like oh that's that's really like what i used to kind of deal with so i would say like that's probably one of the biggest things is sort of working on the aspect of having a conversation with your kid as opposed to being like you did this, don't do this, you know, like, and just being like that, like very fast, like as a parent, I'm going to nip this in the bud, right? Like that classic, uh, you know, sort, sort of dynamic. So I know that that's something I've been working on, you know, I would imagine other parents probably deal with. Um, and I think that's coupled by the aspect of uh, when you have two kids, there is sometimes this feeling of like, how in the world am I keeping up with all of this? Like you're trying to make lunch or something, and they're both like flipping out on each other and you're trying to get one to calm down while the other one's calming down. And I think like that just, you know, uh, ends up adding to that, you know, aspect of, okay, well, let me, you know, lay it out <laughs> and be the gruff dad. Um, you know, so I think that's probably the thing I'm working, you know, I'm spending the most time sort of thinking about and, and, and working the most on. I love this. 
I mean, I also find it fascinating how kids multiply, right? Mm-hmm. When you have one kid, it it might feel sort of like one-to-one. But when you have two, it's like having 17. Yes. And then you get three or four and it, you know, forget it. You will never, you will constantly be outnumbered. And it's knowing that, right? Yes. Even if you have two parents and two kids, it's still not an even ratio exactly. Yes. Yes. So that is one of the things that stuck in my head from what you said. But I have not heard the term reparenting before, mm. but the concept, so I'm very glad you you told me the concept as well, the concept I deal with all the time. And there are a couple things about it that I think are really interesting. The first is that, of course, we parent the way we were parented because we don't see how anybody else parents. I mean, we see a little bit on play dates and a little bit at the park, but really we don't get in the deep depths of what somebody else is doing because we don't live with them. It's part of why I love doing home sessions and extended home sessions with families because that's how you really see what it's like when you put your guard down. Yeah. But as a parent, you don't see that. So it makes sense. But what it also kind of creates this gap of is what does your child need versus what did you need as a child, which you did or didn't get. But it's the preference of what do I want to do as a parent versus what do does my child need in order to become an amazing person? What I'm hearing and what you're sharing is that you're trying to make it more the perspective of what, how do I parent from a place of what my child needs versus what I am automatically programmed to do, Yeah, which creates a huge amount of intentionality, which I love. Parenting with intention makes all of the difference. Mm. My first question is how did how did you relate as a kid when your dad would just kind of stop don't uh, 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 do the thing <laughs> how did that can you relate to how it felt as a little kid I can remember bits and pieces of it there's definitely some stuff that feels very very far away but I can definitely remember the aspect of feeling like there were very few things I could do like I really had to kind of like it, like not a hundred percent walk on eggshells necessarily, but like very close to that. Where it was just like, is he going to blow up if I do sort of X Y Z? Right, was always the dynamic. Which, what I think of, is one of the beautiful things of the of the world we are growing up in, or kids are growing up in right now. I should say, is that the acceptance of who they are is getting bigger and bigger. Mm. So when you were growing up and you sort of were walking on eggshells, it meant that you were always managing yourself up to your parents. Mm -hmm. I have to make, I have to look, I have to act, I have to feel a certain way. And one of the things that's really beautiful about the way the world is shifting is you can act and be and feel with much more openness than ever before. And so as a parent, if you can kind of shift some of that for your daughters, the world is much more ready for that. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And also just relating to that kind of constriction that it created or that like, I have to fit in this box so that my dad will be happy so that it will, I so that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing in many ways to me, makes me feel like it would be that much easier to say, I don't want to do that for my kids. I don't want to put them in a box. I don't want to restrict what their possibilities are. Yeah. And Mm. so part of it is, is remembering that because if we know our why we can change it so much greater. So if you can connect to, 
it is worth putting in the work and effort and time to change this because it creates so much more possibility for my girls. Like yeah. That's just mm-hmm. magic. So the second question is, is are there certain moments, certain behavior, certain routines that you find easier to be open with? The other side of that is certain routines and moments and times where you find yourself unconsciously slipping into this authoritative place. Yeah. I think that where the areas where it's easier are the areas where you are sort of very conscious of the fact that there is additional support, I guess is the best way I can describe it. So like when you're in an environment where there are other parents, when you're in an environment where you're with family, where it's like, um, or even sometimes when my wife is, is there, if there, there's more of a sense of like, there's somebody else, right? But then when it's Nora might be taking a nap or it might be, you know, early in the morning and it's just me with the two of them or it's very, very late at night and it's just me with the two of them. That's where where it becomes a lot harder. Uh, and then the other thing that I thought about was when somebody else is in the picture, even though there's the aspect of them having support, there is a dynamic where I feel like I get a little more, I shift a little bit more into that, like, let's fix things kind of mode when somebody else is on the outside kind of commenting or, or, or asking me to deal with it. So Nora will, you know, say, take care of this or, or something of that nature, or I'm with family and, and somebody in the family is like, you know, hey, look, you know, what's going on? There's more of a, like, let me fix this as quickly as sort of humanly possible those are probably the ones where it uh where it shows up the most two specific moments that you brought up and and i'm gonna create suggestions reverse so i want to do the first one first of when there is someone outside of you even mom being like hey can you handle this right which has a different flavor than when it's you know a grandparent or a friend or a stranger on the street because they comment on things too. Yeah. But the interesting thing to me and many, many, many parents do this when somebody else is like, Hey, can you take care of that? Our assumption is that we and our child are doing something wrong Mm. as opposed to saying, yeah, I, I am handling this and doing that same open you know, you can still be clear, you can still have boundaries, you can still do all of those things without being authoritarian, mm. without being like, stop it now. Um, but that when there's somebody else's voice saying, hey, handle it, we go into that, I need to become a drill sergeant. Yes, yes. As opposed to saying, I am, I am a capable parent, I know how to take care of my children, thanks for your insight, and we're working on it. Or, oh, yeah, I didn't notice, let me, let me attend to that, because maybe you weren't, paying attention. You're like, oh yeah, but still going in with that openness. We, we in our defensiveness is how it feels to me, mm. try to create a, a particular response because we are also assuming they're right and our kids are wrong. Mm. So what if in those moments, especially, you know, when it's mom, if it's Nora saying something, it, you know, it might not have the same feel, but when it's an outside person who's like, why are your kids acting like that? <laughs> yeah. What would it feel like to be like, because she's having some big feelings because her body's really excited. So she's jumping around like, I think that's awesome. I'm going to go have a dance party with her. (laughs) Somehow we often take on the other person's perspective Mm. and then react accordingly. And and 
are less inclined to push back. Yeah. And say, oh yeah, she's she's great. Stop judging her. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if there are those moments, but for many parents there are. So I can imagine yeah. that's sometimes the scenario. That makes a lot of sense. And I think, yeah, that that dynamic of you mentioned the idea of like something wrong. Like you're doing some, you know, you're you're doing something wrong. Cause it almost feels like you kind of go back to when you were when you were a kid, right? And it's like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, pay attention. To, and what did you want to do? You wanted to, you know, get the, you wanted to solve it as quickly as possible. So you weren't in trouble anymore, you know, kind of, um, kind of thing. So that makes so much sense. Yeah. And we, we still do it. It still feels like you're being called to the principal's office. Anytime anybody is like, can you take care of that with your kids? You're like, oh yeah. And what, what would it be like to turn around and be like, they're good. Or like, oh yeah, I'm going to go jump around with her. You know, the, the possibility that our kids are right and other grownups are wrong. Yeah. Isn't always there. <laughs> so just, just a possibility. Yeah, yeah. Now, the other piece you talked about is when it's just you with two girls and there's some other pressure source, right? Yep. Diana's sleeping. It's almost bedtime. Any of those other pieces. And those moments are trickier and do have more stress involved. And so what if you proactively planned for that? So rather than waiting for Junie to do something loud and excitable and being like, shh, you're so, so sleeping, stop it, <laughs> as we do sometimes, <laughs> if you were like, hey, we just put Diana down for a nap, so you know for the next hour or however long she naps, we have to be really mindful of the fact that your sister is sleeping because we don't live in a house by ourselves. We can't just, you know, go somewhere else and have all the loudness. So what are we going to do now so that we can keep having fun, keep doing whatever we need to do, and make sure your sister gets a good nap? We are often navigating stresses in our head without telling our kids. Mm. So Junie might not be doing anything wrong. She might just be having a great old time, but she didn't know her sister was sleeping or she forgot. Yeah. So she also might need reminders along the way, but we hold our kids to expectations that we never told them were there. Mm. That's a really interesting point. Yeah. Yeah. Now, will it mean that she won't always be loud when her sister's sleeping? Absolutely not. But there's a way that if you're trying to be intentional in your parenting, saying those thoughts, concerns, um, driving forces out loud can then help remind you as well as your kids that this is what's happening. Mm. You know, it's almost, okay, girls, in 30 minutes, we need to be in bed. So I'm feeling the pressure of that time. They don't care about that, but you're saying (laughs) that out loud to remind yourself. But also kids, if you enroll them in goodness, they're more likely to do it. If you tell them how to feel and how to behave, they're more likely to do it rather than waiting till things get off track. And then we kind of, create this punishment scenario to get them back on track. Yeah. So if you were like, okay, I'm feeling the pressure that we need to get ready for bed. So I'm hoping that you're going to be great helpers with me. We're going to be focused. We're going to have a good time, but we're going to do great listening and have so much fun doing it. So first things first, we all need to go find our pajamas. Wear your pajamas, wear your pajamas. Remember, we're doing excellent listening and finding our pajamas. Go. So if we name, if we pre-frame it in that way and we tell them that they're going to do amazing, for kids, they're 50% more likely to actually then go do the thing. 
Yeah. Whereas if we just tell them to go get dressed, they're like, nah, I don't feel like it. Yeah. And then your stress rises and their stress rises. And yeah. Everyone gets upset. Yeah. It makes me think of even in the world of of business, there's the whole idea of supporting structures where you're literally like, okay, if I want to make sure I get this thing done, I've got to plan for this and sort of think through this and 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 know that these, you know, occurrences are going to happen. Right. So it's it's very much in that same way of sort of looking at it and saying, okay, what are the things that have been happening? What are the things? And then how can all of this structure be adjusted so that there's more opportunities to have those conversations and you're not just like caught off guard sort of all the time? Hmm. I feel like kids are caught off guard a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so the more you can communicate about what the expectation is, the easier it makes it for them to follow that. Yeah. Will they always follow it? No, because part of it is teaching them yeah. as opposed to punishing them. Right. And yeah. it sounds like the the reparenting that you're experiencing is that there was a lot of punishment of like, no, that's wrong. Yep. And less of this is right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And so you want to shift your parenting from that world of, of no and don't and stop and can't, which I will say is very common in the world of parenting, in the world of education with kids as well. Unfor- sure. Like it's kind of how we treat kids, which I'm not a big fan of, but shifting sure. it to the like, yes, and do and repeat and celebrate. Hmm. Because as, as a human, I want to be celebrated for what I do right and then stay on track as opposed to be yelled at for what I did wrong. Yeah. And so I want to do that more for kids. So here's my final question for you about this. Mm-hmm. Are there moments where you feel like you don't know how to do it from this other perspective, uh, from this intentional place that you want to be coming from? Are there moments where you're like, the only way I know how to get that to stop is to yell at them or is to get upset or is mm. to. Um, yeah, I think the thing that that makes me think about is the the acting out moments, um, you know, where it's literally like your knee jerk reaction is to be like, stop doing that thing. Right. Um, so even just something as simple as, um, Diana chooses to, uh, you know, throw the toothbrush down as opposed to like, put it down, you know, put it down gently. And it's, it, it, it's more of a like, don't throw your toothbrush, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, it's just like, you get like, right, you know, right there. Cause it does catch you off guard, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, because I didn't expect it. Like, it was just like, everything was going fine. And all of a sudden there was like this impulse, um, you know, they talk about three nagers, um, when, they, when they sort of hit that, you know, where, and you know, there, there's a lot of that right now with Diana where she'll just like, everything will be very, very like, easy going and all of a sudden it's like i'm just gonna like knock this thing over or dump this thing or throw this thing out or you know or or whack you you know whatever the scenario is um so yes yeah, so i i think the thing that kind of pops up is that like very natural like stop that you know um is probably the is where that shows up the most if i had to take a guess yeah um i love that because Yes, that makes a lot of sense. And, and I have tools for you around it, (laughs) which makes me very excited for this moment. Um, So one of it is to recognize that the, the only moments were like the stop it, the like really excited jerky parenting 
yelling is appropriate is when there's physical danger, mm-hmm. right? Your kid's yeah. running into the street. Stop! Because you want them to be startled by it. Yeah. You want you want them to get that what they're doing really is like needs an immediate reaction. Yeah. The challenge is that that happens like hopefully once a week or maybe a few times a week. But we have that reaction to our kids all the time. Mm. And so they don't know what is actually you just being frustrated that she threw her toothbrush because that's kind of icky versus her trying to pick up a knife. Yes. Yeah. So part of it is is putting in your brain like, I only want to have that reaction, that like big, when it is a big thing. Yeah. Right. But we don't have it anymore because we yell all the time that. They don't know that, like, they're running into the street and you're scared they're going to get hit by a car versus, you know, they just didn't get their pajamas on fast enough. So yeah. part, of, part of the framing is to remember why we have that response in certain moments. Mm-hmm. So what do you do when she throws her toothbrush on the floor, you know, like, you know, just throws carrots on the floor. Now I'm just going to want to throw everything on the floor Literate. as an example. But, you know, <laughs> which at, at as a three-nager might be your her thing. Yeah, yeah. But our reaction is to say no, but it's already happened. Mm. And it is very possible that if at some other point in time you were walking down the street with Diane and you said, is it okay to throw things? And she would say no. And is it okay to hit daddy? And she would say no. And you would say, is it okay to break toys? No. Like she knows cognitively. She understands these are not okay things. Yeah. Yet in the moment when it happens, we have been taught that as adults, we have to correct them. No, yeah. no, we don't. Mm. No, we don't. She already knows she shouldn't be throwing that. She knows. She's aware. <laughs> she wants to see what's going to happen. She's like a little feisty. She's like, what are you going to do about it? I'm yeah. going to do this thing. I know I shouldn't do. And what happens? Hence the three-nager because teenagers do the same thing. Yeah. The less big reactive you get, the better. Because sometimes kids think it's really fun when dad yells, right? Like you mm. get big and excitable and they're like, oh, I pushed a button. So it's that. Or she really just didn't know what to do because she was frustrated. Yeah. And that's okay too. You get to have big emotions. You don't get to throw your toothbrush, but you get to be frustrated. Yeah. And so my recommendation is to give a positive action-based direction. Instead of saying, don't throw your toothbrush, which she already did. So then our language doesn't match up with reality. If we're like, don't throw your toothbrush. She's like, but I I did. (laughs) My favorite is when parents say, you can't do that. And I'm like, but they can. Yeah. And they'll do it again simply to show you that. Yeah. So no more can'ts. But what do you want to see her do in that moment? Mm -hmm. What would you rather happen? So it might be pick up your toothbrush. It might be step off the stool. Now pick up your toothbrush. Mm -hmm. It might be, huh, do we need to stomp it out? Because you seem angry. Okay, let's stomp it out 10 times. One, two, three. And you stomp with her. Okay, better? Pick up your toothbrush. Let's go. Part of it is that if she's having big feelings, you need to teach her what else she can do with those big feelings. Mm. Because she doesn't know what else to do, so she's trying something. And she's moving it out of her body, so we have to give her a more functional way to do that. And simultaneously teaching her that what she did isn't okay, rather than saying that's not okay, saying this is how we fix it. Because the solution to our problems is what is the solution, not that was bad. Mm. Because then 
she still doesn't know what to do next time. Mm. You know, she's brushing her teeth. Her sister's in her way. She's smaller. She's frustrated. So she throws her toothbrush. Well, tomorrow, when the same thing happens again, we want her to know how to do something differently. Mm. And the best way to do that is by teaching her what we want to see her do. So that might be bend down, pick up your toothbrush. Now, what do you need? I can't get on the stool. My sister's there. Oh, those were really great words. Okay, so let's wait. You and me, we're going to wait and we're going to do a little wiggle dance while we wait for your sister because Junie's brushing her teeth first. Tomorrow you can go first or whatever needs to be negotiated. Mm. But the positive action-based direction is the antidote to the like yelling to stop. Mm. That makes sense. That was a lot of words. Did yeah. that land? Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, no, that makes that, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I think, yeah, it's just, I think as the parent, it's the, it's, it's the aspect of just recognizing the knee-jerk reaction to want to just say, stop you know, and, and not being able to be like, okay, well, they, they already did it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what are you really saying? Stop to, you know, or, or don't do that. You know, don't, don't smack your sister, you, you know, um, which is just, it's the natural, like your, your brain sort of goes like right to that place. So, so just being like, okay, what happens now? you know, what's the, what's the option here? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and it, and what you just said is so true that it is the grown-up has to recognize that this is our impulse and to not follow it, which is really worthwhile work because it's the exact work that we're asking our kids to do. Mm. You don't want Diana to follow the impulse to throw her toothbrush on the floor which means you have to model that we can control our impulses by recognizing where you want to just snap response and not doing that and stopping and thinking and then reacting. If we can't do it, we can't expect our kids to do it. So you have to go first. Yeah. Hard. Yeah. <laughs> big growth. For sure. Super worthwhile. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Super worthwhile. Yeah. And the one final point, and, and then we're going to wrap up, is that if she is doing something to hurt her sister or vice versa, I always recommend giving attention to the kid who received the hit as opposed to the kid who gave the hit. The kid who gave the hit knows that they shouldn't do it, knows that it's wrong. But if it's one parent and two kids, they're also trying to get you to respond to them. Mm. And so if you fully give your attention to the other kid and don't talk to them for like, you know, Diane is little, so I'm not going to say 10 minutes. That's too long. Yeah. But 30 seconds, 60 seconds, check in with Junie, give her all the love, and then just keep moving forward and not talk to Diana at all in that moment about her hitting her sister. It is likely to stop. Huh. Now, at some other point in time, an hour later at bedtime the next morning, talk about kind hands and how we treat other people's bodies and how, what we do with our own. So you make sure the learning's happening, but not in that moment. Hmm. Very interesting. So the idea mm -hmm. there is that let's just say, you know, Diana, Diana smacks Junie. Mm -hmm. I then just focus on asking Junie if she's okay, check in with her. I don't say anything to Diana about the hit. And then I talk to her later about it. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yep. 
Wow. Yep. And it is amazing how quickly that changes hitting behavior. Huh. That's fascinating. Yeah, because I would have yeah. never thought about that. Like, uh, you know, and, and again, I mean, I, I was a teacher, right? <laughs> so, like, you're, you know, you read books that basically tell you, like, do not ignore when a student does something, because if you ignore when a student does something, it's going to just, like, escalate and all these, you know, all these things. So carry it over, right? And be like, okay, no, I need to make sure that I acknowledge that she did this and, and you know, all this. But um, the, that, yeah, that makes, that makes so much more sense because they're not getting the response that they're, that they're looking for, right? When, they, when yeah. they do that. They want you to say something to them. They want it to be a game. They want it to be, you know, to feel like they just upset everything and, and caused a reaction. So, yeah, makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will say... I do this with classroom teachers in school too. Mm. Now, sometimes you have to do different things because there are many kids around and you have yeah. to make sure everyone's safe. So sometimes there are other layers, but it's the same idea. Yeah. We want kids to learn that when you do something like that, you get nothing. That's not how you get my attention. That's not how you get my conversation. That's not how you get my affection. And so, no, if you want to engage with me, that's not what you do. And in some ways, that's a really natural consequence. If someone hits me, I'm done talking to you. Like, this is not how you get me to come down on your level and talk to you about big feelings. I'll talk to you about your feelings later, but you cannot do that with your body because it's really impactful to everybody else around you. Mm. Hit a couch, hit a pillow, stomp your feet, push a wall. All those things, I'll talk to you through your feelings and help you with it. But not if you hurt, especially another kid. Yeah. Yeah. It makes it a, a really clear line that kids you know, behavior sticks around because it works. Mm-hmm. So she learns I hit nothing. I, I lose all any bit of attention I had. Even if there was some other reason she hit, she's less likely to do it in the future because she didn't like what happened afterwards. Yeah. And that's the big goal. That makes so much sense. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> well, let's end on that brilliant yeah, note then. Right. If there is one tool that you're going to take away, one tool that you're like, I'm going to start doing that today, what is it? Uh, it's this this focusing on the other kid thing. Like, yeah. that, that's the thing that implementable, it's like, it's right there. It's very, very straightforward. And it's just easy to remember too, right? Where it's like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. just do that. So yeah, that's definitely it for me. Fantastic. Because I do like, you know, we've talked about so much and so many different possibilities that I am a big believer that we have to take small steps and we have to do one small step at a time Yeah. because otherwise we get overwhelmed and stop doing everything. So that is a great first step. Michael, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming and sharing about your family and having this really thoughtful conversation about our parenting patterns and where they come from and how we shift them. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And thank you for listening. I know your time is precious and limited. I'm grateful that you shared it with us today. What's your one takeaway? Just one small step can make a big difference. Make sure you know when new episodes come out by subscribing here and joining my mailing list at drmarcy.com backslash podcast. Do you want to be a guest on a future episode of Love Your Family again and again and again and again? Then go to drmarcy.com backslash podcast guest and let me know. 
Finally, do you need individualized help for your family? Then go to drmarcy.com backslash contact and connect with my team to learn how we can help you. Remember, blue skies are ahead and we're going to get there together.